Hello, and welcome to the Bold Metrics podcast. I'm Morgan Linton, one of the founders of Bold Metrics, and I'm here with Diana Gans from the Groomsman Suit. Diana, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Morgan. Absolutely. So we are we are all here, settled into our home offices, and uh, we've got a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. You know, first, I'm really interested. Um, you know, people that are listening to our podcast are wondering, you know, whether they're further along with their business or getting their business started, how is it that other people were able to get to where they are today? Um, and I've found every company has usually a different and interesting origin story. So I'm very interested to understand, you know, starting at the beginning, where did the idea for the groomsman suit come from? Yeah, sure. So um, I have the good fortune of having a <clears throat> pretty brilliant best friend from third grade who um, has been in fashion design her entire career. And when she got married in 2013, um, they went the traditional big box rental, tuxedo rental route. Like most brides, you know, she said to her husband at the time or fiance at the time, I'm planning this entire wedding, just get your guys in tuxedos. And I was a bridesmaid in her wedding, you know, having grown up with her. Um, so the weekend came and like the guys just kind of looked all right. They were randomly switching jackets to find a better fit. Um, even though they had gone into, some of them had gone in to get measured um, ahead of time and the quality of the tuxedos wasn't anything spectacular. They were just kind of frumpy in them. And you know, these are young guys in their twenties and thirties that on a really important day should look super sharp. Um, and so then the day after the wedding, the bride, Jean, um, my co-founder was the one returning everything the day after and that's when she realized, God, everybody spent 250 bucks on something that didn't fit them well, didn't look that great, wasn't something that they would want to keep, even if they could. And the logistics are really poor because the bride is the one getting those suckers back, you know, before noon to avoid any late charges. And so, you know, having her fashion background, she was like, you know, when you think about what a suit is as a garment, it's not rocket science. It doesn't evolve like women's wear, especially wedding suiting. It's pretty traditional. Um, how come men can't affordably and reliably own this type of garment for, you know, not even at the time, like under $200, but even like under $300 reliably. So that <clears throat> moment stuck with her and it wasn't until she moved relocated to New York and I was living in Boston at the time I was finishing my MBA, um, she started to really like explore this possibility a little bit more. She had more access to suppliers and factories. And so, yeah, she came up with the concept kind of in early 2015 about like, you know, being able to sort of disrupt the tuxedo rental industry and source manufacture a line of suiting that is under $200 to own. And so um, together we yeah, we launched the company in 2016 and it's been crazy ever since. Very cool. Very cool. That's exciting. And so then how long did that take to go from, you know, if we look at that timeline from that wedding where there was kind of the aha moment to actually starting the business, like launching the site and actually starting to do business? What was that timeline like? Yeah, I mean, it was about 20, so 2014, 28, it was about um, two and a half years, I would say, um, you know, that she got married on New Year's Eve in 2013. So she spent 
kind of 2014 being perplexed by it. And then when she moved to New York in 2015, she kind of started look, look, you know, looking into more options and we started talking about it. And then in early 2016, we launched on a Kickstarter campaign um, just to test, you know, like what the idea was. So I would say she was kind of really working on it for that year ahead of time. And I was, like I said, finishing my MBA and, um, and then, you know, she had a baby and she was like, Diana, I'm going to have three months off. I'm having this baby. Let's launch this thing. <laughs> I was like, Jean, I don't think that's how maternity works. Um, you're crazy, but I think it's a great idea. So sure, let's like launch it into the universe. And, um, and so we did that, yeah, in like February 2016. And I mean, we have really been scrambling to keep up with it ever since. So we sold about 100 suits and tuxedos in that first 30 days on Kickstarter, wow. which is crazy. We had no brand credibility and like people, you know, were really interested in having a better option than that, you know, terrible tuxedo rental. Do you remember off the top of your head, like what your funding goal was for Kickstarter and what it ended up being? Yeah, it was really small. Like we set like a, I think it was like $8,000. Um, and then we did about 12, but we also had like more sales in the pipeline beyond that Kickstarter campaign because we had like, you know, several groups that were committed to it that didn't necessarily buy. So it like brought in actually a bunch of groups, um, but they looked like single purchases, you know, on Kickstarter. So, yeah. I mean, we didn't like, it wasn't like a hundred thousand dollar campaign idea, but it was validation and yeah. um, <clears throat> it helped us you know, place our first inventory order because before that we were, we weren't going to put, you know, it was going to be about $30,000 to place an inventory order, order for like 250 suits or something, which does, which seems, which was a lot to us at the time. And like, it was nearly impossible to find a manufacturer that was willing to take such a puny small order. <laughs> like most of the factories are like, come back to us when you're ready to do like 10 times that, you know, and we'll have a conversation. So. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Um, and so then let's see. So early days was this through your website after the Kickstarter campaign, was it through a website? Were you going to direct consumer through pop-ups? What was the kind of first way that after that you started to um, grow the business? Yeah. So, I mean, it was online only. Um, Online only with like a handful of us hustling in, you know, we were living in Manhattan and New York at the time. So like we would hustle to like, you know, offices or whatever and like do group fittings and stuff like that just to get the brand out there or like wedding expos and stuff. But no, I mean, it really, it really was designed to be an online only option. Um, it wasn't until we moved the company out of New York uh, so we were growing pretty quickly. It was about 18 months in, it was like mid 2017 and we just had to get the company out. We were like operating out of a storage, you know, shipping from our apartments, mm -hmm. operating out of a storage facility in like Jamaica, Queens, because that was yeah. the only real estate we could afford. And, um, <clears throat> And we just like the orders were getting to be kind of too crazy and the amount of inventory we needed to keep on hand, we just couldn't afford an adequate space. So we relocated the company to Chicago. And again, like still thinking that we were gonna be only online, we 
found this beautiful like fourth floor kind of obscure space and uh, set up like a warehouse shipping facility um, or like area office. And, you know, we're in there packing orders. Now we have a couple employees. We, you know, we're in our yoga pants and guys would just start showing up to this <laughs> warehouse. And we were like, what are you doing here? This is not how this works. You need to go home and place your order online and then we'll ship it to you. And they yeah. just, you know, they loved they loved the whole experience. You know, yeah. we would give them a beer, you know, we would chat with them. They were like kind of peeking behind the curtain of the startup that were run by women, which was yeah. completely mind blowing. Yeah. And um, it was then, you know, like, and we didn't even have our address. I, it's still like, I think it was just a random Google listing that had our address for our fulfillment or like our, so we didn't even, um, yeah, we didn't, we didn't expect to do it, but it, it was something that just kind of organically happened. And then we started hating fulfillment and we were like, screw this. Like we, you know, we're doing like now pushing 50 orders a day. And we were like, if we're not like, we just, it was too much. So once we offloaded shipping and fulfillment, um, to a third party fulfillment center, we, um, we kind of transformed that space into a, proper showroom and so and it's pretty and it's very busy now um yeah. i mean not now because everything's closed because of coronavirus yeah. but uh before it was you know the weekends and evenings are pretty juiced like we have back-to-back -back appointments and it's super fun that's pretty cool because you're really listening to the market and you're letting that drive the decisions you make versus trying to guess like oh i bet if we did this people would like it it just ends up happening that way yeah, I mean, we we have been really fortunate that way. Like our customers have kind of just told us what they want. Yeah. And we've evolved, the company has evolved in that way. You know, even from like expansion in our product catalog, now we offer, you know, we started with a suit in four different colors and a tuxedo, but now we offer shirts, shoes, you know, all the accessories. And that was because customers were to ask for them. And so, um, yeah, it's that's been cool. pretty neat to evolve. Yeah, that's really cool. So then let's talk about kind of a few, few of like the lessons learned early on. I guess if there was like one thing that you feel like you did right in the early days that you look back on as like a quintessential, like that was a great decision. Um, is there one thing you can kind of point to? Yeah, I mean, I'm still forever grateful that we <clears throat> held strong to our no discount philosophy. We, um, it's very unusual in our space. You know, all of our competitors are doing like buy five suits, get one free. Or like, I've even seen ones where they, you know, make a donation to like a children's fund. And you're like, how am I going to compete with that? Um, and it's really like, especially as a young brand, like all you want is sales. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and you know, the nature of Black Friday and everything like that, it's been really hard to kind of hold strong to our guns, but, um, we don't discount our products. You'll never really see a sale on our website. Um, and we get questions about it every day. You know, what's your discount? Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, our response has always been like, we just offer the lowest possible price mm -hmm. to everyone all the time. And mm -hmm. it's really allowed us to just stay focused on other things outside of like this game theory of discounting. And, um, you know, we believe like we do have the best product at the best possible price. 
And if you don't have that confidence about what you're doing, I think you really do need to kind of like reassess. Um, if you feel like the only way people are going to buy what you're selling is if you discount it, then you're probably not at the right price point to begin with. And like, we work really hard on our price point. Um, we, and you know, are confident in it. So I'm forever grateful for that. <clears throat> um, it's paid off and, you know, it's given us the margins now to do, do some pretty cool things, um, you know, like advance our technology and, mm -hmm. and other things that um, make the company really helpful or, or healthy rather. I mean, we've, also been profitable almost every year in business, which is not something that most young e-commerce brands can say. So, yeah. yeah, very cool. That's great to hear. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because yeah, there have been companies over the years that have done that have had a strict, like no discount policy. And it is usually the companies that you think of that are just kind of famous for having really high quality products. Like if I think of Apple or I used to work at Sonos and Sonos had a really strict no discount policy. And I remember like celebrities would oftentimes ask us for a discount and say, Oh, well, I'm going to put Sonos throughout my whole house. So like I can get like half off or I can get it for free. And it was always held like, no, like this yeah. is really good stuff. We make the best stuff, but like, that's it. It is what it is. Um, but if the quality of the product is there, then people buy, they're happy with it. It matches the quality they expected. They recommend it and that continues. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's like, it like relieves your time spent on to do other important things. So uh, yeah, yeah, it really does change the dynamics of the business, right? Mm -hmm. Because yeah, the appeal industry has a long time had a history of discounting people with sales and deals and people buying just based on that. Um, so yeah, drawing that line in the sand makes a lot of sense. So then, um, I don't know if this is a harder question or an easier question, but um, what is one mistake that you made in the early days that you think you learned from? I mean, I kind of touched upon it. It's like thinking that we could do our own fulfillment. <laughs> um, yeah. We, you know, I, we did it. I think we did it just right. Like we transitioned fulfillment when we absolutely had to. Um, but we learned really early on that like, you had, we had two choices, you know, we could become a fulfillment company mm. or we could, um, continue to grow our brand and, and, you know, be the best service, um, experience possible. And you can't do both. And I think, um, we made some mistakes and I think, but these mistakes are where we quickly learned we're not set up to do this, you know, finding a barcoding system. We spent, you know, way too much money figuring out a barcoding system that really just, we, we couldn't end up mastering. And we do still use parts of it now for different things, but um, it just like, and then, you know, if we weren't running out of suits, we were running out of boxes and garment bags. And we were just like, this is gotta go. So I think that quick failure, like led us to release that to that component of our business to an expert. And then we can just get back to what, you know, we do best. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. I think the saying uh, I've heard before is, yeah, you can do 10 things pretty well or one thing really well. And mm -hmm. there's, it's, it's impossible to continually add on things and expect to be able to do it at that same quality level. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, let's see. I want to talk a little bit about um, what we're dealing with right now. And uh, 
This podcast may be listened to uh, in the future where people don't know what's going on. So in case anyone wants a little bit of context, right now this podcast is taking place in the middle of the uh, coronavirus global pandemic. Um, we've got states across the US on lockdown, countries under full lockdown. Uh, it is changing everyday life for everybody. Um, and so I guess, you know, one of the major challenges that our apparel brands are facing right now is, you know, disruption in shopping. And for, for you in particular, the wedding space, weddings not taking place. And so yeah. interested to know uh, how has that been? What impact are you seeing and how are you reacting to that? Yeah, I mean, we quickly in the matter of like a week, went from having our best year where sales were up 50% from last year to now sales are not even hitting where they were last year um, on a daily basis. So <clears throat> it really turned on a dime for us. Um, you know, people are, it's, we're heartbroken for our couples, our, our customers, they're having to re schedule their weddings or postpone. Most of them are postponing, but already 2020 was like going to be an epic year for weddings just because of the date. Mm -hmm. So couples that wanted to get married in 2020 had to secure venue locations, you know, 18 months ago. Um, and so, you know, now having to scramble and re and adjust for and find venues that from six months from now is really difficult. We're seeing a lot of our customers even push them their weddings to 2021. Simultaneously, we just decided to launch a new prom brand called Prom Guy um, this year with a, an amazing partner, um, Occasion Brands. They own Prom Girl and um, they're incredible. Um, they do just an incredible job with um, prom dress sales annually and so we were really looking forward to this brand launch and that is dead because yeah. schools are closed and you know some are closed you know through the summer so proms are not happening so that effectively went to zero um so you know we're adjusting fortunately you know we're a team a very small team we can pivot really quickly we started this brand to be online only mm -hmm. so we have that sort of digitally native blood um, mm -hmm. that you know we can really fall back on even though we've opened a few showrooms over the past year um, and those are now closed like we still have kind of like our original mission, which was to conveniently and affordably suit up guys wherever they are. Um, so that's kind of, it's, it's been interesting because it's made us kind of like re revisit, you know, our original mission and, and purpose. Um, we quickly launched virtual showroom appointments for our customers. There are, you know, plenty of people that are still hoping their fall wedding dates are okay. And this is the time when they need to be sorting out their suiting and wedding attire. So we're now, you know, really trying to meet our customers where they are at, and that is at home um, due to all the shelter in place mandates. Um, and, you know, we have, I think it's like, I just, sometimes the universe just like lines up this way, Morgan, but we did the work with bold metrics in Q4 of 
2019, last year, to revamp our online sizing tool. And God, has that become worth its weight in gold right now? Like, if there's ever a time that you need an accurate, like, size online sizing tool, it is right now. And so, um, we're so happy we did that. And it's complementing like all of this home, all the home services that we're, you know, reiterating and like, and reminding our couples that we have. That's great to hear. Yeah. Obviously nothing we could have expected, but very, very glad that we're, we're here for you now. Um, and yeah, I think everyone's trying to figure out, you know, how does this change both in the short term and how does this change behaviors long-term? Um, and yeah, I think that people are now starting to realize, okay, maybe we can do some of this stuff digitally that we thought we had to do in person before. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I see this as more of an opportunity for us. I mean, it's, it's hard right now. It's painful. Our, you know, our sales are definitely down almost 75% right now, but, um, we're going to get through this and like, we are just, you know, it's allowed us to, like I said, refocus on what matters with our customers and giving our customers, you know, wherever they may be the best possible experience, which is like what we've always wanted for our customers. Like we just, we love taking care of the guys. We also have women's collections. So women as well, and just help them realize their wedding vision, however unique that may be. And so we, but we are kind of in this middle ground. We're not a super small brand anymore. Um, we will, um, we don't, and we're not a big brand that relies on physical stores. Mm-hmm. So we are, I think we're in this, we're poised to really kind of emerge from this um, as a leader uh, in how to um, give, you know, couples planning their wedding, customers at home, a really great experience. That's great to hear. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. So let's kind of move on to, to uh, happier topics. <laughs> um, and you There know, will be those days, I hope, coming up. It's going to happen. Is it, is it one month? Is it three months? Is it nine months? Who knows? But they're, they're ahead of us somewhere. Yeah. Well, at some point, we'll be able to listen back on this podcast and we'll know what the answer to that question was. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so kind of looking at, let's pretend we're in the normal world again. <laughs> um, you know, when you look at improving customer satisfaction um, and making it a great experience for customers, you know, what are some of the things that you did to get to where you are now? And maybe some of the things that you're thinking about or even learning from through this situation that you might want to optimize for the future? Yeah, so, um, you know, things that I think we, that worked really well for us, um, that got us to where we're at now, um, you know, focusing on, I mean, we, in the beginning, we couldn't compete marketing dollar for dollar with our competitors. You know, we have, we're going against some brands that have raised like $70 million in in venture funding. Like we are just, we're not that, we don't want to be that. Um, And and so we don't have that kind of money to burn on marketing um, to just kind of capture as much of it as possible and get, you know, plaster your brand out there. So what we've, we've always been really focused on is, you know, building more than just a suiting 
company. You know, we wanted to be a resource to our customers. We've um, in a variety of different ways, you know, we have written hundreds of guides on every mm. uh, element of wedding style um, or wedding planning process to um, giving our customers just the most amazing experience, like I keep saying, but, you know, again, like giving that, like getting them the right sizes is a perfect example and why, you know, we, we do why why revamping our fit finder tool because i i built the first version not great i think our our exchange rate was like 35 percent. i am not a data scientist um but now you know it's dropped to under 10 percent which is amazing and that like nailing the size for customers when they are literally asked like five simple questions that take 15 seconds is like, it's like magic. They get there soon. They're like, Oh my God, I yeah. literally, and, and the, I did, I entered no measurements, you know, I entered my shoe size, my height and weight and like what my pant size is and like, poof, there, yeah. there's my right size. So, you know, we wanted to kind of like, we've always tried to surprise and delight our customers. And like, that is certainly a way um, that we've, you know, we've, um, that has gotten to where we're at now. I think, you know, where we're going is, you know, just continuing to be more of like, um, that one-stop shop for our customers. Um, almost, you know, even take it to a level of like, we're your personal stylists. Mm-hmm. Um, Weddings are an occasion that, you know, especially with the workplace becoming more casual, uh, people aren't sure about formal wear and what the rules are. And so how do we, you know, how do we help our customers and like share in that sort of wedding style planning journey? And so we're, we've, like I mentioned, we launched a virtual showroom appointment, but this year we'll also be adding like a virtual showroom kind of um, element on our website where couples can like piece together what what they're wearing what their wedding look what what their wedding suiting looks like you know a, a certain suit or tux with different accessories they could even add a certain color bridesmaids dress behind it to see how kind of it all coordinates and so um you know we're just always trying to think of like ways that we can help our customers from home yeah we love meeting them in person but um you have to be comfortable, you know, online these days as a brand. Yeah. Yeah. Still being able to make that authentic connection, whether they're in person or online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see. Um, as far as you were talking a little bit about expanding into other product categories, other markets, talking about prom, um, have you looked at things like suiting for women, for children? Is that something you offer? Is that something you're exploring? What's the uh, kind of roadmap look like? And of course, of what you're, what you're open to sharing with the, with the audience here. Yeah, no, we, we, um, we kind of think about it all the time, everything, you know, from, you know, well, we're just doing weddings. Like at the end of the day, we're a suiting brand. How come we can't just sell our suiting to everyone for any occasion? Um, but you know, the, really the beauty in our business and like, I think where and how we've grown so quickly is that we are the best at wedding suiting and tuxedos. 
So then how do we span, how do we kind of expand in sort that total addressable market? And again, that's been through, you know, we added accessories, like I mentioned, we do have kids, we have a complete like kids line for ring bearers and or junior groomsmen that completely match our um, men's suiting. And there's no other brand that is doing that. Um, again, making them affordable, they're 94 bucks for this like little four piece set that's to die for. I have one right here, but I know we're on a podcast. On a podcast won't be able to see, but I'm looking at it. Oh, cute. cute navy jacket. There's nothing <laughs> cuter than a two year old in a little suit, you know what I mean? <clears throat> so, um, so we've done that. We have, we do have women's now. Women's is something that we added in Q4 of 2019 from the moment we launched the company. Women have been asking us like, you know, what about, I don't want to wear a bridesmaid's dress. Like mm -hmm. I'm standing on the groom's side as a groomswoman. Like, I want to wear a suit too. What do you have for me? And they've always just kind of made our men's suiting work, but you know, for how women are built, the shoulders of a jacket in a men's jacket is never going to fit us well. Mm -hmm. So we spent a long time because we're mainly a team of women developing a really great pattern for our women's collection. And, um, and so now that fully matches, we are able to meet our customers, um, unique, you know, wedding style, um, visions. And, uh, and that's been really fun, um, doing that. We, we now are at the point where, you know, we're getting a good amount of website traffic. Um, we did a lot of work early on again, like the blogging, all of that has really brought a nice um, flow of visitors to our website. And so how do we um, offer other things to our couples, groomsmen gifts, men's wedding bands, um, to again, be more of that one-stop shop, almost kind of turning the groomsmen suit into more a marketplace as well. Mm -hmm. So we're, um, we've added some of those kind of complimentary products. And then we have prom that will revive itself prom maybe next yeah. year. Prom's not going away. They'll still be It's prom. not going away, but <laughs> it is away yeah. for this year, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so we'll look forward to kind of relaunching that next year. Yeah. Uh, and again, you know, same great product just to a different demographic audience um, that hasn't been traditionally served very well. Like parents are always like, I had to go spend 250, 300 bucks for a tux he's going to wear like once. I would rather have bought even like a suit that they could wear to graduation or something like that. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And actually you touched on something that kind of dovetails into my next question, which is the team. So Tell me more about the team, how you built the team and kind of what you guys think about when you're, uh, when you're hiring and, and continue to expand the team. Yeah. Um, we have an amazing team. Um, it's a team of nine of us. Um, pretty small team. Um, get, we get, you know, hundreds of orders a day. Well, not right now, but we were. Um, so you can think about like the volume of customer service inquiries that we get. Mm -hmm. Um, Jean and I are obviously the co-founders. We have very different backgrounds. She's fashion design. I have a business background. She's the yin to my yang. Um, and what she likes to do, I hate and vice versa. So that works out really well for us. And then we've added over time, you know, we have just really relied on our own networks to find great people. For us, it's more about 
um, because startup life is so every day is new, you know, especially in the beginning, you like, if you have too much experience, it's almost a negative because, you know, in the beginning, we need people that would have helped us pack orders and, you know, rearrange inventory in a warehouse. And, you know, somebody that's super high level that has a lot of e-commerce experience is not going to want to do that. Um, and so we relied on like our friends and our network to kind of help us find great um, additions. And so we've have um, Julie, who was our first hire when we moved to Chicago, literally, she just helped us get set up and she was willing to do anything from, like I said, pack orders to barcode stuff. And now she's really kind of oversees a lot of like our day-to-day -day fulfillment. Um, with our third-party fulfillment company. And then Katie was one of our first brides. So when we moved the company to Chicago, we reached out to some of the wedding planners we know there and said, who, who do you know that's amazing? And one of our wedding planners was like, you outfitted her wedding, ding dong. Like, Katie, she's amazing. You should hire her. And we were like, oh. So um, that's been great. And then we have um, Haley and Alyssa who are kind of um, – family uh, contacts from Jean and I are from Kalamazoo, Michigan. So we've got a good Kalamazoo, Michigan crew that, and they've kind of, they've really kind of come into the groomsman suit as one of their first jobs out of college and yeah. are just crushing it. Yeah. So, and, and then in Philly, we have Natalie who um, <clears throat> is a suit aficionado. She's worn men's suiting her entire life actually. Um, and worked for some pretty big brands. So she's our showroom manager there. And, hmm. So, and we have, an, you know, you guys know Amanda, she's our developer. Uh, she is um, our unicorn, really. She's our, she does front and back end design and she's a graphic designer by trade. So that's amazing. That's why our website looks so beautiful. So yeah, we've just, um, we've been able to find really great people and they've grown into their roles. Um, <clears throat> and it's been, uh, it's been a total delight, especially during times like this where, you know, we don't know what, you know, each day is going to bring where each week is going to bring. They're so they're busting their butts right now. They see this as the opportunity to get work done to make the company stronger once we get out from under this. And yeah. so um, they're just, they've been really, it's been really impressive to see how they've adapted um, and, and working differently. That's great. That's very inspiring. Cool. Well, you know, I think I'll, I'll end with this question, um, which is for anyone that's listening to this podcast now and is maybe where you guys were four or five years ago, thinking of, boy, I might want to start my own thing. Um, what advice would you have for someone that wants to start a online uh, apparel retailer? Yes, I would, I always say, you know, find a niche like that and don't be afraid to double down on it. So like we found this very like specific problem that we were trying to solve. It might sound cliche, but just, you know, figure out what that is um, and test it in very financially conservative ways. So Kickstarter was a great, great tool for us. We didn't put a lot of money into it. We, we just did the basics. We didn't do a pr like crazy production perfect, like our video was good, but you know, it wasn't like overly produced or anything because anytime you're starting out with starting something like 
you need to understand what's the organic traffic that you're going to get or interest around this concept. And a lot of brands or thing, a lot of new companies start out with a lot of marketing dollars spent to get, bring visibility, to bring sales, to bring traction. And if you get into a place where early on you're having to spend a ton of money in marketing, you actually lose sight of like what your product market fit is. Mm. You know, and so we don't spend much money still in marketing. Um, and so, yeah, I would say, yeah, find, find, figure out what problem you're going to solve, find a way to test it and be super conservative with your marketing spend, because if it's going to take off long-term and be a healthy, like viable concept, it's going to do that more organically than what you're going to want to spend money in pushing, um, it's success. Yeah. That's great advice. Well, Diana, I would like to thank you very much for being on the show. Uh, is there anything else that you want to say? Anything to, to anyone here who's listening about the groomsman suit, about you? Any, any messages, words of wisdom, anything you want to leave people with? No, I mean, I think we covered it all. It's just, you know, we still don't have it figured out. <laughs> so um, fortunately, we have great partners like you and Bold Metrics to kind of work with us to make our business better and um, the way we do things better. And I mean, just that's been, we've, we are so fortunate, like from the people that we've hired, like I just mentioned to the other companies that we have partnered with to improve, you know, our whole model. Um, we are just, we're grateful. And uh, again, we're still evolving. We have, we have so much more we want to do. So keep your eye on the groomsman suit. Well, hopefully we'll be impressing people for years to come. <laughs> right, on. right on. Great. Well, Diana, thanks again. And this is Morgan from the Bold Metrics podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.